Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Stop. Hello and welcome to the AI Movie Night. I'm your host, Rory Greenfield. I always have to get that right because I host two podcasts now and I basically almost say the other one every time. Um, I've got a, a guest that's not appeared on a movie podcast before. Um, a friend of mine I met on social media because of our, well, our love of Liverpool, but also, also films, essentially. Um, and I kind of wanted to get him on to talk a few films, but it kind of felt right to talk about this one because we both got a kind of nostalgic, you know, movie interest in us. So um, we're talking about Ready Player One and, and Steven Spielberg. And my guest is uh, Victor Fagstrom. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm good. As I said, we met, well, you've got a giant, you know, Twitter account, obviously, but you've also got a kind of personal one where you, I noticed you talk about films, a lot of people I interacted with. And then a couple of years ago, we just have a very similar interest in movies. I think you're one of the only people that probably watches as many as me, if not more than me, which is, <laughs> I always think is, is a good thing. Um, I'll do a slightly, let's, let's open with a kind of question. We'll move on to Spielberg in the film because there's loads to cover. It's it's a massive, massive release. Um, and there's a load of hype around it. There's a lot of films out at the minute, though. Um, and I was just going to get your thoughts. And I know you don't like ranking films, so this is a bit cruel. But what's the best film you've seen this year so far? And then what's the film you're most looking forward to seeing this year? Ooh, starting with the big question. Um, the best one... Could arguably a quiet place on Krasinski's new film. I knew uh, you were gonna say that, that's why I asked you that question. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um saw it recently, you know, had had yeah, it yeah. not too far ago. I don't think it's um, recent I mean two thousand eighteen isn't exactly old yet, but um yeah, I think I I'd echo that because I watched it last week and it, it blew my mind to be honest. It was so cool how it, uh, you know, had fun with, uh, you know, all the sound mixing. Yeah. So, <laughs> as I said, I think I wrote it on Twitter as well, you know, there's so many layers of sound that I barely knew that you can have such a variety. I'm so nervous in the cinema to make a noise, is my thing. <laughs> I was in the cinema. <laughs> no, it was so tense. I've seen the trailer, but, and the trailer gave one thing away that it probably shouldn't have done, it, you know, and I'm not going to do spoilers because people won't have seen this film yet. But the trailer doesn't really kind of tell you what the film's about. Um, and then you watch it. And I've, I mean, there wasn't many people in the cinema I, I went in, which was good. There's only about 15, 20 people. But everybody stopped making noise as soon as they realized how quiet that film is. And literally <laughs> anyone with popcorn was so nervous reaching for the popcorn. Yeah, so you had um, a good experience then with the crowd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know there's some people that maybe haven't had a good experience and it's one of those that maybe a full full screen would be really cool and then maybe on your own in the cinema would be really scary, but in the right kind of way. I think it's it's more tense than scary, but it's so yeah. <laughs> Um, no, that's cool. I'm glad you said that. Um, and then 
I think there's only one right answer for this next question, but I will, if you've got something else, I will, I will oblige your, your answer. Um, so the one you're thinking of is, is the, of course, uh, New Avengers film coming yes. out in, what is it, 13 days here in Sweden? Have, is have the 25th? you got it on the 25th? Oh, yeah, on the one 25th? day early from you guys, right? Yeah, that's about time, because I remember last year you had to wait two months for Baby Driver to be released. It's <laughs> really mad, man. I've seen it like three <laughs> times before I even had the chance to see it once. Essentially, essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's got to be Avengers. Infinite, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, I mean, some other cool releases I, I'm looking forward to this year. I think the Mission Impossible film might be pretty uh, special in the summer. Um, and then there's a couple of big animations. Uh, second Incredibles film is getting quite a lot of hype. Yeah. Um, my kids are quite excited, and that would be a good thing to watch as a family, so that's always good. Um, and, yeah, there's a few studios and stuff knocking around. I think, uh, for me, because The Quiet Place took me such by surprise, um, i kind of now suddenly looking forward to horror films and stuff, which isn't really me as a rule, you know? So um, so it's good. It's good when a film does that. I mean, uh, the big thing about Ready Player One, have you, you read the book before? The film. No, I had not, not actually. And no. judging by the people, their opinions on the film who have, um, I'm kind of happy I didn't. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it seemed to differ quite a bit. Yeah, I think I'm glad as well. So I, I was going to, I bought the book last year when I watched the trailer. So I was like, right, for once, I'm going to read the book um, and then and watch the film afterwards. But then uh, I'm, I'm super busy and I never got around to it. <clears throat> and I'm kind of glad because I think. The more I heard about the film, the more I thought, right, okay, just maybe read the book afterwards because I thought there was going to be some changes. And it turns out the changes are quite, quite vast. Um, yeah, and my favorite yeah. sequence in the movie isn't even in the book, so... Yeah, you know, the, I, I think my favorite... A certain scene sense. in the middle. <laughs> it was like, yeah, well, it like we, can that. So, we can sort of spoil it. So anyone that's listening to this, we're going to talk about the movie in depth. Um, and just kind of get a good overall view of it. So we'll talk. We'll talk uh, the scene in the middle, which is, is the Shining, I think, is what you're referring to. Um, and then the opening sequence with the the car race it, again is not not in the book. So um, it's quite quite interesting that they that they kind of adapted it. But I I know why they did because there's a lot of scenes. You know, a lot of feeling from the book is is. I mean, this is this film is pop culture nostalgia overload, um, which is you know it, it's got everything in it from Back to the Future to like gaming references, you know Halo and, and various, and then uh, you know the Godzilla and King Kong and <laughs> so uh, many and, endless. And it's just you, you could list off. I think if we had an hour to just list off the references, that's all we would do in this film and i will yeah, touch I think on we could do it. yeah you think you could it's absolutely mental um and i'll give my favorites a little bit later on um but that opening scene i mean with the the car chase um that's not in the book and and in the book it's a it's a dungeon to dragon sequence and you know listening to the uh, the author who kind of co- wrote the screenplay and, and worked a little bit closer with Spielberg um, to kind of uh, move it in that kind of direction for, for a more mass audience and, than you kind of, you, than your book reader uh, that was interested in this kind of book. Um, they made it more accessible and, and they made this huge, incredibly visceral kind of dynamic neon car chase, well, car race, basically. Um, yeah. the, the New York backdrop, um, and the backdrop even references you've got things like the Warriors and Ghostbusters and stuff in there, which is just awesome because it's proper New York. Um, and then the actual race itself, you've got the bike from Akira, um, you've got the DeLorean, you've got you know King Kong and, and everything. And I think that race to me, watching it one time in the cinema was amazing. I mean, you watched it again yesterday. Did it blow your mind again? Yeah, I'm, I could. You know, that's one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie, and it's like three minutes in. Uh, it's so phenomenal. Phenomenal. First time I saw it in free, uh, in the movies, it was three uh, D. Yeah. It was two D uh, last night. So definitely prefer the three D, but still in two D, it looked amazing. Uh, it sets the tone right away for the entire movie with color palettes and you know how they interact with all these references. You know, yeah. some are just flying by. You know, when they line up the cars, you can maybe spot one or two more. You don't know. It's so quick. 
So if you don't know I think it, you you'd won't... have to watch it like <laughs> you'd have to frame it like frame by frame to even catch some of them. They're so yeah, good, I'm sure. Um, and I think... that's a good thing, I think, because you know. Uh, yeah, it is. Man. You know, yeah. balancing you know references like this is extremely difficult. You know. Yeah, and I kind of must... love that everybody's got their own favorites. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. So for me, like I think you're. You're slightly younger than me. Are you mid twenties? Yeah, yeah. So, so w- w- you were probably born when Jurassic Park, you know, baby when Jurassic Park came out. Yeah, that? baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was eight when Jurassic Park came out, and I saw it at the cinema. Um, and I mean, uh, you know, I'd love Spielberg from you know, ET was, I think, probably released about when I was a kid. But you know, it, it, I I watched it as a kid because it was on telly yeah. every you know, holiday, festive, anything. Um, and I loved E.T. growing up and the Goonies was, was my kind of particular favorite, but, um, but, but Jurassic Park is always the kicker really. And it was my moment as a, as a kid of being just so scared and so amazed by what I'd seen in front of me. And I, and that film is 25 years old and it still holds up exceptionally well. And that's Spielberg, you know, that's, that's what he does. He pushed yeah. boundaries that long yeah. ago, you know. And speaking it, and of ET, uh, speaking of ET, I saw it in the cinema like in January, I think. Oh, nice. my, my cinema has these uh, kind of classics yeah, showing yeah. every once in a while, so it was great. What was it like <laughs> in the cinema? I've never seen it in the cinema, actually. It was so cool. Uh, much better, of course, than seeing it at home. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're... Such a, I, such a great what? movie. Yeah, what I like about you particularly is you you go and see as much in the cinema as you can, I think is fair to say. Yeah. You don't have an IMAX, so I think you're being robbed slightly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but on the, other hand, on the other hand, I don't have to spend as much money, hopefully. No, but, you know, that's true. Quite, it's yeah, so expensive nowadays. So. Yeah, mate, you wouldn't believe I mean, I think an IMAX in the UK is about £17, mm. um, which... I don't know, 20 euros, something like that. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's something crazy. Um, and it's, uh, it's occasionally worth it. Do you know what I mean? I would say like yeah. Blade Runner, Blade Runner and Dunkirk. Inception and yeah, and Dunkirk. Yeah, exactly. There's some films that really work on that. Um, and I think this film for me, like you said, works in 3D because that car chase, I watched it in 3D. I didn't watch it in 3D IMAX. So I just watched it in 3D. Um, and a lot of people don't like 3D, but for me, when you're watching a film about virtual reality, you want as much hit as you can get. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. want that kind of um, visual Nursing hit. This. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 that to me is is what did it. And that car chase was amazing when they went forwards, but in reverse, when he finds out that's the message and that's the way to get the first key. Um, was just as incredible because you saw it upside down and I just thought this is insane. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, yeah. it's seeing it from the same perspective, but just, well, just a different perspective of the same, same race. And I just thought it was such a clever touch because that opening scene is, is, it's hard to top actually, I would say. I mean, it's a great film, but it's almost like the first <laughs> scene is, is the thing until, until that big moment, <laughs> which you talked about really did yeah. find me the way as well. Um, what's really great about that it's really great about that race uh, sequence I think is you know in the beginning when the you know when they start you know there's no dialogue or even no close up on their faces so it's just the race you know the sound goes up and all these references start coming in and it's just a thrill ride you know cars getting blown away like two seconds into the race it's just uh Chaos. It's hard to keep up with. It's, it's chaos is the best word, mate. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, it is absolute chaos. Um, and I think that's the thing for me. I was just like, holy shit, this is on another level of craziness, <laughs> you know? And I just, uh, it was, it really set the tone, to be honest. Um, I think it, t- it took me a while and I'm still probably getting my head around that the CG of the characters is, is exceptionally done, but it does take a bit of the emotion away because it's so animated. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I think what this movie does quite well is it balances the real world and, and the Oasis, because if you didn't have the real world, which some films don't focus on a little bit, I mean, Avatar tried to blend it a little bit in fairness. 
Um, but you, you need to get that balance right. And I think what this did is is it gave more of the less of the oasis than I think the books do, um, but it gave more of the characters, which which you get to know quite quickly. But that's really important, I think. What if, what did you think about the you know, the true start with the narration and him walking down from his you know, the facts and getting to his little setup? Yeah, with, the, I, with all I the narration. Yeah, really I liked upon. it actually. It's that to me. The, the, there's a few sequences. So the sequences when he's in, I can't remember which city it's in actually. Um, anyway, when he's in his kind of essentially kind of slum. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's, it's post-apocalyptic kind of wasteland really, and, and yeah. those kind of scenes are as much influenced by Spielberg as this is a kind of pop culture stuff because, you know, you watch films like E.T. and the scene when Elliot is looking at his bedroom and looking at that kind of thing and this, this him on his washing machine <laughs> and dryer and, and that's yeah. his bed. Um, but there's a couple of parallel scenes there that I, I really like. And I think the, yeah. you know, the authors talk, talked about that quite a bit. Um, and then there's some other kind of parallel scenes, which to me just feel really Spielberg. There's, there's a couple of scenes that remind me of the Goonies and the Goonies I watched just so many times growing up. Um, and I loved obviously the adventure of the Goonies and, I, and, but I, I kind of like the parts when it was at the beginning and that, that kind of, you get a sense of where he's from and you, you need that, the character. I think the character development actually is quite natural in this film. It's not as, they're just in a oasis. That's their life. I think they did quite well at blending the two, as I said before. So, um, so it was, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, what did you make of kind of Ty Sheridan's role? I mean, I, I'm not that familiar with him as a, as an actor. I know he's kind of on the scene. There's a couple of moments to me. He looked a lot <clears throat> like Shia LaBeouf. And I was like, that's why Spielberg's casting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, you he, know, he did I, feel like that. He always is looking for that new actor to work with. Isn't he? I think that's Spielberg as a as a as a role. Yeah, but he's so good with younger people. You know. Yeah. Probably the best in the world with acting with the using yeah. using kids. <laughs> to put it like You've got to be but, yeah no. careful of your English, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, no, I think twice, he's you know. casting. Casting, children and uh, using them effectively in their roles, I guess. Um, in his exceptional movies, you know. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I remember Ty showed a little bit from Mud, which is a really cool indie film that you yeah. might have seen. Yeah. Um, with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he's done a couple of things like that. Um, but I think I think actually he did really settle into this role. I thought he was really good as Wade and as Parzival. I thought you kind of believed. Well, I think he believed his performance, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy with, you know, not all performances, but most, you know. And uh, he, as the main character, was definitely, you know, satisfying this uh, job rather well. Yeah, um, I think so. Both outside the Oasis and inside the virtual reality. Yeah, and that's the thing. It must be hard as a... I, I was thinking in films like this, it must be hard as an actor to go, right, one minute you're going to be... You know, one minute you're going to be yourself kind of thing, and then next minute you're going to be an animation. And it's it, some actors are really good at doing voice voice parts. Um, I was pointed, and we do this on the AI on the comic pod. Um, talk about Zoe Saldana a little bit. Obviously, she's Gamora, but she also played character in Avatar, and 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 she's basically in every big franchise because she's in Star Trek as well. So she's basically made for life in comic terms, do you know what I mean? She can yeah. set up to any event and get paid. Um, <laughs> but she plays it really well when she's in Avatar because she obviously has no human role. It's it's just and 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 I thought that she was, that was one that kind of stand out to me. And this film had a few parallels with Avatar because it's it's a lot more about being being in a virtual world in, in a sense, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and the, being lost in is. that world rather than yeah. you know living real. Yeah, exactly. Because again, there's parallels in the fact that, you know, the main character in the Avatar doesn't have use of his legs and, you know, is pretty miserable and the life he's leading is, is full of depression and anxiety and all the rest of it. Whereas he can be someone else. And I think that's what the Oasis was, was designed to do. And that's what they got across really well because 
I think in, in current climates, obviously the virtual reality systems that exist, and I know you're quite a big gamer, aren't anywhere near that level, um, obviously. <laughs> but I would imagine one day they strive to be that level. I mean, gaming is still advancing at a pretty exceptional rate, you know? So Yeah. I'm not a big VR guy as of now, you know, in no. our world. Uh, I don't think, you know, from what I've seen, it hasn't reached the desired level yet. I don't think it's quite. there yet. No, I don't yeah. think it excites people that much yet because I don't yeah. think games are just up to the standard, you know? Yeah, they look so, you know, clunky, you know, how you move and everything yeah. like that. You would, you would like uh, one of those, uh, like, treadmills he's got. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got like a, mo- a moving treadmill and yeah. he's got all these special Second, suits and yeah. all this kind of stuff yeah it's cool man because you know gamers do like their tech and i get it i, <laughs> yeah, I get sure. what i get what they're they're going with and i can kind of see where the future is kind of going with gaming but um yeah and the more cool immersiveness because, the better you know yeah we, exactly. we always want that extra frame that extra you know quality and sound uh, well, yeah, everything. I know you're you're big on your uh, your kind of definition and stuff, and I think these kind of films uh, you mentioned Dunkirk earlier and stuff, but there are things that don't sit well on a small screen. And strangely for me, this film will probably do both because it's the kind of film that I quite like to watch quite a lot. You know, it's it's just a likable Spielberg films have that kind of you know charm about them, don't they? That you can yeah, just you can switch them on on a Sunday afternoon and it's just one of those films that you can just kind of sit back and enjoy um, without having to, there's no heavy lifting involved, you know, it's yeah, I mean, Spielberg's most of them done are just... heavier films. He's done, you know, Munich and he's done, you know, Minority Report to an extent and Saving Private Ryan and stuff. So there are films in there, but a lot of them are just, you know, classic. Yeah. Like most of them are so easy to get into film. as well, you know, like Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, even yeah. E.T., those encounters, just when you start them, when you put them on, you can't really turn off because, you know, no. they're so easy to watch and I would say enjoyable AI is even. slightly though. different to that. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched yeah. AI, but I watched it yeah. recently as part of my 100 movies. That is not an easy film to watch. No, I, think, I think I've seen it, but it was so long ago. Yeah, I wouldn't um, go back. Um, I wouldn't rush back to it anyway. Um, but it's interesting. And, and actually, given... You know, we, I watched Tintin quite recently. And again, that's just a kind of good adventure kind of film. He does have a great way of telling an adventure story, you know? Um, and this felt to me, like I said, there's a few times in this film, I just felt younger again. Uh, and that's always nice when you're <laughs> getting older. Um, but it, it's nice to feel like that adventure again. And it did feel like a few moments in this of just pure Spielberg. And, I, and it's a hard thing to describe, but he's just got a certain way of directing that just brings you back to when you were a kid. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. quite miraculous that he can do that. And and he just does that so well, the fact that he's gone off to make the post and then he comes back and does this. And then he'll go off and I know he's looking at Indiana Jones again, but it's it's such a kind of a director that is just so versatile in what he does. And this film is more of the fun side of Spielberg that I think has been missing for, for a little while in his films, to be honest. Yeah, because I probably had more fun in this movie than, you know, what I actually liked the quality of it, if you say it like that. I think um, that's fair. It, yeah, because, yeah. you know, it was probably the most fun I've had in the theatre for a long, long time. But, uh, you know, if you're going to I think, I think for me, since maybe Ragnarok, to be honest, last year was just so yeah. fun. Yeah. 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 But that's fun in a different way, though, because that's just so much humor. Yeah. Like it, it is. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're humor. talking about an adventure movie, you're right. It's, it's hard to think of them because. Yeah, it's not well, that Baby many. Driver, Baby Driver had few elements of it, actually, for me, but yeah. not the same way because it's a bit different edge. Yeah, I don't. The thing is, though, this film I thought, right, okay, so I, my, my little boy's seven, and we are going to go and see Infinity War, and he does like Marvel and stuff, and I thought this film might be really good for him. And I went to see this film, and I was like, right, no, because the shining scene will meaning we'll never sleep ever again. <laughs> and I was just blown away by that because this film doesn't have that much of an edge to it. And I think there's a couple of points, and, and we can talk about some criticisms, which I think are fair in a little bit. Um, 
but the villain isn't uh, that convincing and Ben Mendelsohn's a really good actor but I think the book is, is better written apparently for, for the villain and a lot darker edge But so they took that away but then they put in instead of Monty Python which makes sense because it's not relevant for younger audience um, or pop culture audience really nowadays and they put in The Shining scene and I, you can talk through that because I think it's probably everyone's favourite scene in the film really that whole yeah it's section. gotta be Either that or the race in the beginning, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the shining scene. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, when I saw it the first time, and they stood in that ring in the virtual reality world and was going to choose the movie to jump yeah. into to see. Just talking about that for a second. I don't hope to see, you know, like, even the audience to, you know, be clever for a moment, you know, see a few yeah. options and maybe if you know your stuff well, you can maybe you know, guess the right one. And they like yeah. just show it for a second, scroll through it, and next one. But uh, yeah, so they pick the shining, <laughs> the jumping, the jumping down to outside uh, theater. So it's Stanley Kubrick's The Shining playing now. Yeah. And that, and you know, when it truly hit me was when the the music started. You know, the opening music from The Shining. That yeah. slow burner. Uh-oh. Well, it's it's one of the characters. Well, one of the characters freaks out and, and gets lost, and then enters the the famous room. But I can't remember what the the room number is. But um, two for seven. The, yeah, and the beautiful young woman turns into the very menacing yeah. old lady, <laughs> and I was just like, it took me completely by surprise because. It's just like shit. Where's this come from? You know, because it's such a bold thing to do. Yeah, in, and they did it so film. clever because they did it so cleverly as well. Because you know, they walk off into the main room, you know, where uh, where the typer is and all that, and you know, and then you know, this references just start coming or the scenes from the movie. You know, the tennis ball, yeah, the twins yeah. versus the elevator. Yeah. You know, all the blood's coming out. Then comes into room two. Two, three, seven, and then yeah. they pull him out of there, you know, from the freezer, and then it just act like it didn't happen. You know, yeah. he just gave us all these cool scenes, and then just, you know, they closed the door, and that was it. Yeah, I I agree. It's it, it was just a bit in the maze. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's just it's just such a clever thing to do because I. I listened earlier on today, so Empire have done a podcast and they're interviewing the author who wrote the screenplay. Um, and he said they tried to get the rights to do Blade Runner and they were going to do a scene in Blade Runner, you know, when they're doing the, when they've got to speak, you know, the uh, replicants have got to speak um, and convince them that they're, they're not a replicant. And I can't remember what the test is called. And they were going to do that. And, and, Spielberg's big friends with Ridley Scott and, and but the the rules behind it that whoever owns the rights to it even though Warner Brothers kind of do but they don't and they, they just couldn't get the rights to it and I'm so glad they didn't because when they settled on The Shining it's just like the perfect One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes Nice dress uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt Until you tried it on Same goes for your healthcare That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Part yeah. of the film, it, it just because it's so different to the rest of the film. Um, and it still had a bit of comedy in there, do you know what I mean? It's still very light, but it was just really shocking. Um, and, and it was great. I thought it was really, really clever. And I think like we talked about earlier, I think that, that and, the, and the race scene are the two things they brought in that weren't in the book. And, and make a load of sense because it's just much more relevant to audiences of the cinema, really. Yeah, I was, you know, the, the Shining sequence is literally the most fun, almost shocking, you know. Yeah, it not is. Not to expect that, at least. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. It's, uh, it is shocking, man. Yeah, it, it's shocking is, 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 is how, very true. Yeah, and how far they went with it. You know, you could have just picked a yeah. movie, maybe seen a scene or two from, you know, Within that hotel, and uh, dude, how did they do the hotel? How did they recreate it? Did they build a scene and you know add grain afterwards? Because you know when they walk down, you know when they're in the the hotel, you know you can see yeah. the grain like it's like it's the original one. Yeah, it, it is amazing, man. I, I think some of the producers are such big fans that it just it just made things to that level of detail because of the knowledge of the films, and I think. That's the thing with this. It's, it's, it's funny because you've got all these people, you've got an author who loves Spielberg and then Spielberg chooses to make his movie. You've got Spielberg who loves everything pop culture and, and is just, it's a kind of big geek in himself. Do you know what I mean? And then everyone involved in, in the whole process is, is just obsessed with all this pop culture. And I mean, I usually pride myself on, on, on knowing quite a lot of these things because, you know, I've watched, like you, a lot of films and a lot of games over the years and music and and stuff. Um, but there's so much in here, man. It's just insane. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I think I will both talk of us... the soundtrack, actually. Yeah, the soundtrack in the you know, the soundtrack was brilliant in this film. I think that 80s kind of vibe to it, but it really works as well. Yeah. Because uh, I think both of us know more than the average person, but you know, when I'm in a movie like this, you know, there's so many references, but Many of them goes over our heads, heads as well. Oh, loads go over my head. There's yeah, much, yeah, yeah. you know, chicken like the lists and stuff people have made afterwards, you know, mentioning all well, the references they've there's seen. There's a really like, cool article, yeah, on, on Vulture that I think I linked to you and it's got, it's got nearly all the references, but yeah. they've probably missed loads in there. Um, I think for the gaming ones for me, my favorite was probably Gordo from Mortal Kombat <laughs> when, <laughs> um, What's her name as a character? Um, this is a classic me for not remembering the names of characters. So Olivia Cook character is Artemis. Um, she's Samantha yeah. or otherwise, but when she is basically wearing a fake outfit as, as, as a, as a uh, avatar, um, as Gordo, and she drags him aside to, to say, look, you're famous now because you've unlocked the key. So you, you can't <laughs> be like this. But I just thought that was a really cool scene. Um, yeah, with the alien think- popping out of her chest. Yeah, and then oh, and then, yeah. and then you know, slicing a rope and like a zipper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just thought it was really cool, man. And that was one of my favorite references. Um, there's a lot of gaming references in there. Um, I think my other one was probably Chucky, um, which I just thought was the coolest thing when they introduced <laughs> Chucky in the kind of last battle scene. Um, and then there's loads more, man. I mean, we obviously mentioned some of the other gaming stuff. Um, I didn't really play the the Atari. It would have been way before your time. Um, yeah. But I played an Amiga, which is a little bit later, but there's some kind of similar things in there. Um, and, yeah, I kind of like my classic games, you know? Um, although I kind of got addicted to Halo as a as a kind of few years back and stuff, and there's some, some really good Halo moments. And then Duke Nukem was in there, which I just saw was ace because I played that as a kid. Um, and just tons, man. You, you know, there is tons and tons of stuff. Um, the battle scene at the end, and, and that's just because we're talking these kind of action sequences, really. Um, I thought the, the Iron Giant <laughs> versus Godzilla and then the, uh, the Japanese famous kind of, I can't remember what it's called. No, um, I mean, neither, but it was awesome. Yeah, but it was awesome, man. I, I, I just saw, you know, the Iron Giant is again a change from the, from the book, but I, I thought it worked really well actually, because it is, it's quite a big thing of a lot of people's childhood. And I thought it was nice to, to kind of throw that in there. But the battle scene itself was, 
was pretty epic to be honest and there's so much going on so much cg but it kind of works man it's really seamless yeah but this, i think that's because you know he you know in a book you know you have to write every reference you know there have to be literally you know in words but you know in a in a visual medium like film you can have so many characters and stuff you know in the background in the backdrop and just you know movie moves rather quickly so there's you know, quite quick scenes yeah so you might not even catch them the third time watching the movie that's four fifth or sixth time maybe so <laughs> i think that helps you know because there's so many so many players and you know come into that fight and almost all of them are referencing something yeah but, you know as the you know when it zooms out and you see a wide shot of the entire fight you know just like any fight you know to like a war you know people coming together from yeah. fights you know, clashing but yeah as, as you said the iron man i think i Iron Giant was a clever idea, you know, because you want that, you need kind of a, a big character to focus on. Well, you know, I, like both the character, I like the character of, of H is, is is the one that kind of develops the Iron Giant and has been working on it. And she's she's kind of a cool, well, a bit of a catfish, actually, in, in the film terms, because <laughs> they, they think she's, well, he thinks... Uh, she's a boy and she's actually a girl, which I thought was quite fun. Um, and I just it think was, it was cool that she created things and she fixed the Akira bike in like seconds. Um, yeah, he's completely smashed and <laughs> exactly. done in 10 minutes. Yeah, I did think, I mean, Lena, Lena Waite did, did a good job actually because she was quite likable. I, I like that you got to see, like we said, a lot of the actors as, uh, as themselves, not just their avatars because you needed that humanity in there. And I think it just about got enough, you know, like you said, there's a few issues with it. And I think the structure um, is probably a little bit too long, but then it went so quick because it was such a fun film. So it's hard. It's hard to get that much in when you've got so much to reference, I guess. Um, I think to me, the star is probably Olivia Cook as Artemis and Samantha, because I think she played it really well as Artemis. I thought she was really intriguing. Um, I liked, like Parzival's attraction to her and I thought it was kind of fun when they're doing the, the club scene and the dance and Saturday Night Fever and stuff. Um, but I think as a character outside of, of the Oasis, she was probably most interesting uh, and I think she put the most on the line, really. It was her cause as much as anyone's to try and find salvation because she had the backstory with the, the parents and I think you cared about her fate as much as anything in the film. Yeah, I thought Olivia Cook was Excellent, to be honest. Uh, and both, as you said, in the in the oasis and outside. And yeah, for sure, she had you know her story was more interesting to follow outside the oasis than yeah. Sheridan's. To be honest, also uh, you know, his story. You know, he had like two scenes with his aunt and her boyfriend. Oh, and you just recorded. didn't care about them. No, <laughs> no, no, but didn't. he didn't either. That's the weird part, no. you know, because we have like had two scenes with them, and then they die. You know, he he walks off. And, you know, he gets taken and brought to Olivia Cook and uh, her friends. And, you know, they begin, it's, it, he wakes up and, you know, starts chatting with her and, oh, you're Artemis. And, you know, they walk out to like, the roof garden yeah. and they chat about different other stuff. So, you know, they never address that again. It's <laughs> this only living family member died. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's because... I think it's what it's trying to get across a little bit is that that's the world that they got used to living in a little bit. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, I think what's it said, 2045 and the world's changed. And I think they only care about, especially his character only cares about when he's in the Oasis. And, and I guess what she does is she cares more about outside of the Oasis. She's doing what she's doing in the Oasis to, to, to find this, you know, find the keys, um, but for the greater good kind of thing. So it had a few yeah. parallels with, you know, a couple of films in recent years. It's it's got that kind of Maze Runner, Mockingjay kind of vibe to it a little bit, you know. But it, but it's done with Spielberg's kind of deftness of touch a little bit. So I think it did elevate it a little bit. Um, yeah. Not that those films can, don't can, have value, but you know. Yeah, and I can sort of understand it wrong way because you know he's you know, the real world doesn't really offer him anything you know yeah. he doesn't seem to be 
on the same le- same level as her aunt. You know, you know, he the last scene together, he she basically tells him to clean up his act, clean up his act, or he'll like be yeah. you know be shut out from the house. So you know they're not that close, but and still, I thought it kind of was kind of abrupt. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I mean, what did you? What did you? What do you think of the the main kind of issues? Because let's be honest, with a film like this, I think you either love it or you hate it. Really, I mean, I just think it's some people will go too many references, too much pop culture, too much everything, visuals, that kind of thing. And I think for for being honest, a film like this, I had to see the cinema, um, but I didn't know whether I was going to like it. I, I genuinely didn't know if I was going to like it, um, and I'm really quite pleasantly surprised I did. And I'm I'm for a change, and I'm normally such a bastard for this, but um, I'm quite willing to forgive its flaws <laughs> because <laughs> of, of the fun you have watching it. And not all films do that to me. Sometimes they don't. It, I don't know, man. I think I've been Spielberg. It's, I think he's done something when I watched that film that just made me forgive some of the weaknesses in, in there. But I mean, if you, you said there are some, what, what for you were the kind of major issues with the film? Probably, you know, the outside world, to be honest, you know, like we just talked about with his aunt and you know, their yeah. relationship is pretty weak and we don't really get to see much of this decayed world that they're talking about. And, you know, it's not really worth living in, you know, everyone yeah. rather be in the oasis. If you don't, you know, we only really see the stacks and, that's pretty much it. You know, they drive through the streets sometimes, but, you know, they're so focused on what's happening right then and there, you know, you can't really take it in what you see on the streets. Um, yeah. That's probably I, the biggest one, you know. That makes sense, actually. I think when you yeah. look at it, say, compared to, I don't know, say, compared to Blade Runner visually, so different levels, different style, but Blade Runner 2049, what it, what it did is it, it kind of showed you city streets which you got in the original Blade Runner but then it showed you different things man it showed you different areas you know Vegas and and Nevada and then the farm and and stuff which give you a different sense of what's going on there and yeah and a larger understanding on why everyone wants to escape to the oasis all the yeah time. I think the budget went on the oasis <laughs> <laughs> I think when you yeah, when you sure. watch this film, I think the the budget and the effort uh, really did go on the oasis um, because of how much is going on and how much visually and how much production value goes into something like that. Um, it's crazy, yeah. But yeah, that's mainly my that's yeah, my main that's negative fair. with the movie, really. Um, yeah, and as you, you talked about it a little bit, little bit as well, you know, Ben Mendelsohn's character Sorrento. I so. didn't get it. I didn't get it, man. I I I. I don't think they did. Dude, a couple of things I had with with Ben Mendelsohn's character, and I'll talk about Mark Rylance's family peg a little bit in a minute. Um, but Mendelsohn just—he wasn't very intimidating. Um, I thought his avatar didn't really fit. Um, I just didn't really know what his end game was. Do you know what I mean? You know, what was he trying to achieve? Because he was the he acted like he was a mentor, but essentially he just got coffee, didn't he? For yeah, you know, and and he, no, it's, it's not it, like it, it was not like there was anything there for him to achieve. You know, it, no, it seemed it was sinister. No, it seemed it was only just about money in the end. But yeah, they kind of wanted to make it personal. You know, with that scene that you talk reference there. You know, with him only handing out the coffee to to yeah. Mark Rylance's character. But, but there was you know. nothing there to dislike about what Halliday did to him. Do you know what I mean? There was nothing, the chip on his shoulder or not, there was no reason to have one. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really get his motives, and, and I thought that was a little bit lacking. I did kind of like, so TJ Miller played Rock, who was the guy that brought the orb and that kind of stuff, where the big, you know, chest... Um, the, sc- the skull and crossbow yeah. kind of armor. Yeah, I thought he was character. fun, man. Yeah, he yeah. was a ridiculous character. But <laughs> have you played online gaming before? Because I've spoken to a thousand people like that in online yeah, gaming. For sure. <laughs> you know, it's constantly going on about the orb, blah, 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 whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, just knows more than everybody else, but but is equally really annoying. Um, yeah. And it's a great scene in the you know that or that dance sequence. 
Uh, yeah. you know, he, he takes a seat with the, the three girls, you know, everyone, he leans in, they lean in, and he's like, fuck off, or get out, yeah. whatever he says. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, I saw he was quite good, actually. I did think he was quite good. Um, the kind of other characters surrounding uh, Ty Sheridan weren't, like we said, that significant. It really was around him and Olivia Cook. Um, but I did think Mark Rylands, he plays quite a similar role a lot of the time. But I thought he was quite effective as Halliday. I did think he looked like an age Garth out of Wayne's World. I will say that much. Um, but he was, he was, he was pretty effective. I kind of liked his story and I liked the way he delivered it. And I did really love the sequence at the end of the film with him and his younger self. I think he gave the best acting performance in the entire movie. He's always yeah. so good. Love my part. Uh, but yeah, as you said, he's quite similar to other roles, you know. Um, He's been typecast but, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but he kind of gave it a little bit mixed look. You know, he slowed it down even more. You know, he really gave yeah. that feeling that he was a true gamer, wanted to create this world for other people, you know, and just just dedicated to play rather than winning and then creating an empire for everyone to he wasn't. Be. He didn't care about the money, did he? You know, that's the no. thing. You, you know, you got the impression that he made it he made it to escape because he didn't really have a life outside of it. Um, but he also made it for other people to enjoy. And I, I think he portrayed that actually really well. And like I said, I think the scene at the end, uh, when all is done and dusted and he's there with his kind of child self um, in his old bedroom, I think that's probably the best scene in the, in the film in terms of, the script and what's delivered and and yeah i thought he nailed that and then yeah, you know, yeah i think adding on to that i think simon Pegg, albeit was quite brief in the film um but effective, I I thought. really effective man i think he was really good yeah, yeah. you know at the very end you know when he he's opening the truck you know, he's yeah. having a chat with the sheridan's character so you can really see him get emotional for a second and then embracing his team the high fives, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a really good job. As well. Yeah, I think he did. I think it's quite nice with actors like Simon Peck because I, I don't know. I, I've always kind of watched Simon Peck, so um, you, I don't know. You, you don't listen to. I don't know if you listen to much of my other stuff, but um, so I don't shut up about Edgar Wright because that's just me. Um, I've heard you talk uh, about it before. <laughs> <laughs> once or twice once or twice um, but I kind of like obviously always a soft spot for Simon Pegg because his writing's really good he's a, he's a really sophisticated writer actually and, and works really closely with, with Edgar Wright on a lot of films and I think Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz um, and then he's he's been quite brave as an actor because he, he went off to do Star Trek and Mission Impossible obviously he's been involved with for a long time now um, and I think he wrote the last Star Trek film, which obviously isn't the best Star Trek film, but I don't think he had the right director, but um, he's done some really interesting work. And then he's obviously worked quite closely with Spielberg a couple of times. Um, you know, got, got Spielberg to act briefly in Paul, which was quite cool. Um, and yeah, it's nice, man. Cause he, he's, he's an interesting actor. I think he's done extremely well for himself. But it's nice seeing him doing slightly different roles because he's normally the yeah. comedic it's, kind of guy, you know? That's yeah. his role, yeah. Most, uh, none of it in this movie. You know, no. Well, playing an older character for the most part. And all his most essential scenes are older guy. Yeah, brilliantly. and he, he's obviously got those links in the movie throughout because he plays the kind of Ask Jeeves character um it's <laughs> all i describe him as um when he's doing the the whole showing him around the memories and the sequences and stuff yeah um, it's an awesome reveal i thought you know him I thought being it was a great there. reveal yeah. yeah i thought it was a great reveal actually i thought it was a clever clever kind of move from, from the film um just to give him a little bit more of a, of a role but also to make him quite influential because he gave him the, the kind of famous, you know, extra life coin, which I thought was ace. I thought it was a really clever moment um, when you did feel like hope was lost, but you kind of knew it wasn't because it's yeah. never going to end like that in a, in a <laughs> film like that. Um, no, sure. 
but for me, I mean, the, the big thing to take away from the film, and I think I will talk a couple more of the pop culture references because there's just so many good ones. But um, the big thing to take away, I think, is it's a film really that maybe a slight generation below us can probably rewatch and take it through their childhood. And I think it's great that Spielberg is still making these kind of films because I know you love. Well, do you love sci-fi? I think you do. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, lots of sci-fi. Um, and there's More a lot the of great, great grown-up sci-fi at the minute because I'm going to talk about Annihilation quite soon, um, and Ex Machina, and there's some directors pushing some boundaries, things like her, and they're kind of modern sci-fi for our generation. Um, there's the kind of horror twist ones that the aliens always kind of um, inspired, but but the kind of modern sci-fi genre is is very much about what's going to happen in the future a little bit you know her is about uh, kind of loneliness and and, and being alone and, and next machine is almost the same um it's those kind of really modern takes on what the world is yeah. is moving towards you know that the social media is is a big thing and, and and virtual reality dating of ai which will probably happen let's be perfectly honest um because homes are now yeah. full of things like alexa and, and that will only develop into being more personalized and interactive and those kind of things that you see in movies and, and films like minority report did it years ago so spielberg has got that and and minority report has got so many things that came to life yeah. i love that movie, um, man. yeah so like the touchscreen elements in there you know that, that didn't really exist at the time and then yeah it's groundbreaking yeah, and and some of the other technology uh, technological aspects in that film really have, you know, eye retina scans, all that kind of stuff is is coming to the fore in modern modern everyday existence. Really, you know, smartphones now, iPhone X, you can unlock with your your face and stuff. It's just, it's the kind of it's 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 really far ahead of itself actually. So you've got all that kind of generation, which is probably for more our age and above, and then. You've got films like this, which are that kind of fantasy sci-fi adventure for, for younger audiences, but they're really important because, you know, who's to say in 10, 15 years that people growing up with this film won't look back on this as a, a big kick in nostalgia for their youth, you know, but also maybe a little bit more like, yeah, VR is a big thing in homes in 10 years, you know what I mean? And technology yeah. is... I think is someone like, uh, maybe someone like your son, was, was he seven now? Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe I'm in, not gonna let him watch it, but yeah, no, no, but, but uh, maybe in give him maybe ten years, years, years or something nah, like that. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, when he's caught up on all the references, you know, we see in this moment, not all of them, but you know, lots of them. Yeah. You know, his classic, eighties classic, like Jurassic Park, you know, King Kong, the games, yeah. Indiana Jones. You see, quite a many of them are mainstream movies. <sighs> nah, I can't movies. wait to watch Indiana Jones with my son. It's like the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, Lord, there's yeah, no Lord of the Rings in here, but other than that, it's pretty <laughs> much a, a go hitter for all of my yeah. iconic kind of stuff. And you're right, yeah, man. It's, this movie is placed across the generations. It's for us, me in my mid twenties. Yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure of your age, but you know, a little older. Early thirties, well. early thirties, yeah, man. I'm yeah, not that quite, old. <laughs> quite, quite, <laughs> no, forty-five. <clears throat> <laughs> no, but you know, so you know, it works for you, of course. And yeah, yeah, those guys being like forty, fifty, you know, they've lived through all these years. So of course, it works for them as well. Maybe not these new ones. Maybe the gaming ones. Aren't. I think the music ones as well, man. I mean, you've yeah. got like you got you, you Michael Jackson Thriller, which I thought was really cool, um, and Duran Duran and Purple Rain, <laughs> Prince, and then you know uh, some really cool stuff. But then. Being honest, there's films like The Breakfast Club mentioned, and I only recently watched that film. It's a film I've never seen before, and I actually love it because I was really hesitant, and it's just something I've never seen. And then I'm doing this 100-movie thing where I watch 100 new movies this year, um, which I'm really enjoying, and it's a really cool thing to do. Um, but I'm watching films that I've never seen before, and, and that was referenced, and I love that because i just seen that recently. Um, obviously, Aliens, as we mentioned. Um, Iron Giant, Battlestar Galactica, um, Akira. I mean, Back to the Future is is just like one of my films growing up, and and to see that referenced in the first couple of minutes on the posters and everything is is really really cool. Um, 
but then like you said, the gaming ones, man, the gaming references are, are great. The classic kind of Pac-Man space invaders, those kind of things are all over the place. And there's yeah. a couple of hints to like Mario Kart and, and obviously that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause there's elements in there of, of those style of games, but, um, it's great. There's quite a I lot of, you know, name dropping, you know, for yeah, there's loads Mario Kart for sure was name dropped. Yeah. And, yeah. There's so I wish many... I was, I'd see, you know, I'd never played the Atari, you know. Young. No, I mean you can get ports of everything. There's, you know, everything. yeah, but... and it does feel. I mean, it it feels like a time for nostalgic TV and cinema, really, because you know, Stranger Things. I mean, Jesus, it's huge, isn't it? And and that is essentially eighties. It's 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 yeah. all the childhood eighties stuff. It's it's Ghostbusters, it's Poltergeist, it's ET, and then you've got. The kind of eighties kind of making a comeback in in lots of ways, and and lots of the films being made now are kind of going back to that generation and era, and and some are remakes and some are kind of new tellings, and I think this did well to kind of do the get the blend right. It's got got enough modern without feeling too just nostalgia, um, but I think it it does get the nostalgia hit really well done at, at times. Um, and yeah, like you said, I think, I think it's a really good movie, and I think it's a really fun movie, and I think that's why people will watch it a lot. And I hope it, if it's Spielberg, it'll do well. Obviously, it's done well at the box office, but um, it's it's good in in kind of sci-fi and, and fantasy terms. You've got space for films like this, and then yeah. you've still got space for things like Blade Runner, uh, twenty forty nine, and you've got. Well, Annihilation wasn't released at cinemas, which is quite frustrating, but you've got space for things like that as well. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a good kind of balance, really. So I think we'll talk a little bit of Spielberg before we wrap, but it's very, very difficult question I might ask you. Um, <laughs> but have you got like a top three Spielberg films? Is that something you could possibly do or is that just far too difficult? Yeah, I can immediately do that. My favorite one, you know, I hate doing Frankies, man. I know, uh, so I'll put you on the spot. It's so hard, it's so hard. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I had to choose, I'd probably have uh, Jurassic Park as number one. Yeah. Yeah, that's arguably my... It doesn't have my... to be in any particular order. It's oh, not a you, problem. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jurassic Park for sure then. Um, arguably my favorite movie of all time. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. One of them at least, you know, top ten. I think I've said it on Twitter, you know, it's my favorite, but you know, give me a week and I'll change my mind. Yeah, man, it's so hard with films and ranking, I know. And I know he's done so many kind of iconic films that it's really hard, but... Yeah. Um, and Raiders have to be there, you know. Yeah, Raiders was, was on the, one of mine. Yeah, it was yeah. on the TV constantly growing up. Every channel was showing it. Raiders is just, just iconic, man. Yeah. I mean, Raiders... So rewatchable. If you talk about adventure movies, I think Raiders is the number one. It's the one that you really do feel like you're going on this kind of epic adventure. And it's just, it's to me, it's like peak Harrison Ford, even above Star Wars. And I'll probably get shot for that. But it's just such a great role and it's such a great film and, and all of them really. Um, have you ever seen a film called Empire of the Sun? I'm quite intrigued if you have. Yeah. Uh. I don't think I have, but I don't know, okay. I know what you're talking it's, about. It's early Spielberg, but it's got very young Christian Bale in it and a slightly older John Malkovich. Um, I think you'd really like it. It's really cool. I think you should check it out. Yeah, um, that's one yeah. of mine because a lot of people haven't really watched that. So it's it's one that I, I really do love. Yeah. Uh, third option would probably be in this list, I think. Another one that I saw multiple times growing up, you know, I, I don't the... think I can, I don't think I can reveal that, that that is on my list of things I've not seen. For this really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know how. And it's one of those films that I just, it's very tricky with films that are quite intense because I think yeah. you have to be in a certain mood to watch certain films. Um, and strangely, and I've seen Shawshank like 20 times, but I hadn't seen Shawshank until I was about 18 or 19 or 20 and the same with goodwill hunting i've seen that so many times since because i just think it depends on the time of your life when it comes out and when it's you know and it yeah. just for me i just missed it and I, it's one of those um it probably will I, most people i mean adore that film and i'm sure i will um a few for me i mean there's so many i, I mentioned minority report before 
but it definitely hits my my top five. I love that film. Um, Catch Me If You Can is one of my favourite Spielberg films because it's my favourite DiCaprio film as well, actually, to be honest. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and, and might be my favourite Tom Hanks film. I just think, again, it's just incredible storytelling. I think I think that's what I associate with Spielberg. It's just yeah. amazing storytelling. Um, and I, I can always watch that film, you know, and I think that's what we said about his films. They're just so watchable, man. And then yeah. I've got a big soft spot for Munich because I just think it pushes so many good boundaries. Um and Eric Bann is just, just incredible in that film. But there's loads, man. And and you could go back and uh, I love, obviously, Raiders and I love The Last Crusade. And yeah, um, I don't really endless, love Temple you know. of Doom, but it's endless. Yeah, it is endless. Yeah. And E.T. as well. Um, yeah, and yeah, Close Encounters, for sure. Jaws. Jaws, so, Jaws as well, man. I mean, Jaws <laughs> is just iconic beyond belief. Um, and that's the thing. That's the thing with Spielberg, man. There's just so much to choose from and he's still making great films and i mean and he's still going to make a lot more great films and that's what's incredible about him for sure for sure so yeah i think we've pretty much covered the movie in its fullest to be honest um i'm really glad you enjoyed it i'm really glad you had the time to come on and talk about it um and it's the kind of film i just hope people do get to see at the cinema you know um it's just it's got that kind of must see at the cinema kind of vibe to it um because it's visually it's it's what it's all about that's that's the whole kicker in the film is the visuals it's 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 really mind-blowing um i've invited you on in the future to talk about another kind of iconic director and i think what people might grasp from this this pod that i'm kind of direction wise is is moving in 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 the way of, of talking about directors and their work a little bit because it's not something I always recognise growing up about the director and what vision they have and, and what they make. But if you if you don't kind of follow directors as such, if you look at a film you love and then look at who directed it, the likelihood is you'll love the other films by that person. Because it's you know I always talk about David Fincher because anyone asks me about a good thriller, and I'll say right, you can watch Seven, you can watch Zodiac, you can watch. You know, go on Shang Tattoo or, um, or go on Netflix and watch, uh, what's the series he did last year? It won't come to me because my brain is fried at this time in the evening. Um, <laughs> I'll mention it at some stage. Um, and it's the same with, you know, Spielberg, as, as you mentioned. Um, and we're going to go and talk about quite a modern director uh, in a few weeks' time. Um, Danny Villeneuve, um, who famously did Blade Runner. 2049 and Prisoners and a film that you always tell me to watch, which I will, which is Incendiaries or Incendies? Uh, Incendi, I think. The Incendi. <laughs> French okay, pronunci- so is it French? The French yeah. pronunciation is, yeah. Uh, I think I've told, okay. I've told you to watch that at least five times. You know, yeah, at least five times, yeah. And five I am, you know? am going to watch it because I want to watch it quite soon before we do this. And, yeah. and recently, Arrival, of course, and... What's the other film we did a few years ago? Um, uh, before Prisoners. Or was it, have I mentioned Prisoners? Enemy. Um, Enemy, yeah, as well. And it's just some some really exceptional filmmaking, to be honest. Um, so it would be cool to, to talk about him in, in some detail and might get another guest on who I've got in mind. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me oh, on. No, mate, it's a pleasure. It's it's really good to, to chat. Um, and, and, you know, what this film might teach some people and his, his social media is, is great for making people like-minded. I think there's a really good connection of film lovers on, on Twitter, you know, if you, you know where to find them. Um, and it's good because you get inspiration for talking about films and watching films and, and stuff. So it's, it's really cool. So um, no, you are always welcome, but uh, yeah, it'd be good to have you on in a, in a few weeks time. Um, that's that's it for me i will be back next week hopefully uh talking about alex garland and uh annihilation x machina dread beach maybe some screenplays he's done um 28 days later so that's going to be really cool with a couple of great guests um and then i've got uh, a wes anderson podcast before we we come back to denny thornerv in a few weeks time so thanks very much for listening i will be back with you shortly stop
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.